Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. We are in week three of a series called The Freedom Formula. I mentioned this, but uh, a couple years ago in prayer, God spoke to me and, and Pastor Diane and just said, the next several years of your ministry, you need to focus on freedom, faith, and family. Now, that doesn't mean we won't preach other things, but I just want you to hear a lot about these things. And, and so we have been talking about how to get free from intimidation, how to get free from a bondage of insecurity, and we're going to build on that this week. And I believe that I'm going to preach some stuff off of you. Are you all ready to go? So if you'll help me, we'll see God do what he wants to do. So let's go to a couple of scriptures that we've been building this series on. Galatians chapter 5. I feel like I need to say this too, that it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 80. There's some stuff God wants to lift off of you this morning. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled once again with a yoke of bondage. Well, I love that scripture because that scripture tells me that it's the will of God and it's possible for you to live in freedom. But it also tells us it's possible for you to love Jesus on your way to heaven and not live in freedom. It also tells me, though, that it's possible to have once walked in freedom and then lose that area of freedom in your life. So it's important, the Bible says, we need to stand fast in our liberty, stand fast in our freedom. There's some standing that we have to do, and that's what this whole series is about. If you would, go to John chapter 8 with me. And Jesus said to those who believe, so he says this to us, you are truly my disciples if, now a disciple is a radical follower. So we could say it this way, you are truly a radical follower if you remain what? faithful to his teachings. A lot of translations say, if you abide in his word and his words abide in you. In other words, if you know the word of God and the word of God is dwelling in you, the Bible says, if that's true, you will know the truth. Everyone say no. You will know the truth and the truth will do what? It will set you free. The word truth here means the reality of Christ. The word know here is an important word because it means to experience. It literally uh, may sound a little weird, but it is the word it is the phrase for sexual intimacy. So if you are intimate with the word of God, it'll set you free. You got to be careful who you're in bed with. Amen. If you're in bed with the truth, it'll set you free. If you're in bed with some lies, if you're in bed with some deception, um, it won't set you free. But if you're in bed with the word of God, how many know it will set you free? They went on and said, but we're the descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You'll be set free. And Jesus said, I tell you this truth. Everyone who sins becomes a, a slave of sin, and a slave is not permitted to be a member of the family. But a son, any sons in here, sons and daughters? But a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are what? Totally free. You are free indeed. And the word free means you are liberated from a limitation, and you are liber liberated to believe like you need to believe to receive what God wants you to receive. So the point to all of that is saying the Lord wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to be free in areas of your life. But the opposite of freedom would be a bondage. And it is possible for us to love Jesus and, and have some areas in our life where we're bound. And there are a few ways that you could have a bondage in your life or a, a, a Bible word is the word stronghold. 
And there are a few ways. There are some things that are just iniquities. That's a bend in our life that comes, it's passed down from our family. And you can have that turn into a bondage in your life. And experiences that you went through can also create a bondage. Or sometimes there are things that you've exposed yourself to intentionally or unintentionally. And those things can actually grow into a stronghold. They can grow into a bondage. And the danger is that is a bondage is a prison. And your perspectives your conversations, your moods, your choices, your outlooks, they can all be imprisoned to a bondage if we're not aware of these things. And, and they hold us back. They, they, we make wrong decisions based on that. We're not able to live on the level God wants us to because of some strongholds and some areas of bondage that we need liberty in, in our lives. And so I believe that there's a formula for this. And the formula looks a little bit like this. We'll pop this on the screen. I believe that, that we need to recognize the problems in our life. And what I mean by that, could you have some bondages? Could you have some strongholds? Could you have some restrictions? Could you have some limitations in your life? We need to look at our heart and our life, some of our moods, our conversations, our choices, our outlooks. And, and if there are some areas in our life, what we need to do is begin to take responsibility for them. Sometimes that's repentance. Sometimes that's extending forgiveness. Sometimes that's just dealing with some things in our lives. And then what do we do? We rely on the truth of Scripture. We rely on the liberty. We rely on the reality of Christ. We rely on what the Word of God says. And I believe that lets us live a life of freedom in our lives. Because you can come to a church service, have someone pray over you, and I believe God frees you. But you've got to be able to walk that out 24-7, 365, and stay in the liberty that God wants you to stay in. And so that's what this series is all uh, about this morning. So as I mentioned, we talked about how to get, how to get free from intimidation. We talked about how to be free from insecurities. Because God wants you to live free from insecurity. And it's possible. He wants you to live free from intimidation, which is fear, and it's possible. So we're looking at some topics. We're looking at a spirit behind them, and the way you defeat a spirit is what? With the opposite spirit. So here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. It's freedom from inadequacy. Freedom from inadequacies in, in our life. Everybody deals with the issue or the challenge of inadequacy, but some of us, it is, it is limiting us, it's restricting us. So for some of us, it's keeping us from going to the level God wants us to do, to have the careers we want to do, to have the relationships we want to do or we want to have. And so these inadequacies keep us bound up, restricted, and limited. So this morning, I'm believing by the word of God and your reception by faith that's going to break off of you. Because we're going to preach some truth here this morning. Are y'all ready to go? So why would I need to teach you this morning about inadequacy? Because here's what inadequacy is. Inadequacy is this. It's basically feeling unworthy. It's feeling unworthy. It's feeling overwhelmed with feelings of unworthiness. It's when you, if you look up the definition, it probably says something like this. You feel insufficient for a purpose. So we, let's make it just make sense to us. It's when you don't feel good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, wise enough. You just don't feel good enough. And as I mentioned, all of us have that challenge at times. But for some of us, it's a real restriction in our life. It, it, it is a real paralyzing force in our lives. And, and here's why that becomes so, 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 so important to us. Is because the Bible says this in the book of James. Well, let me say this first of all. When you feel inadequate, you start to fear, feel inferior. And you start to feel full of doubt. Things are connected to doubt like worry. But just that inferior feeling of doubt. 
And here's why it's so, so important is because the book of James says this. It says, if a man is in doubt, he's tossed to and fro like a wave, and he can't suppose that he would receive anything from God. Here's why it's so important, because when we're stuck in inferiority and inadequacy, we stay in doubt. And if we're in doubt, we cannot receive from God what God wants us to receive. Whether what we're receiving from God is, is our, our healing, whether it is a breakthrough, whether it is an emotional breakthrough, whatever it might be, whatever it might look like, the book of James says, because we stay in doubt, we cannot receive what the Lord wants us to have. Keeps us from going to the next level. In other words, instead of believing that we can, we're stuck and we can't. Instead of believing that we can have, we're stuck and we won't have. We're, we're stuck in that place. And many of you know what that prison is like, what that trap is like. Now, God says something different to us. The Bible actually says this all the way back in the beginning of the Bible. It says it, says it this way. It says, you are made in the image of God. Actually, to word that the right way, it doesn't say you are made in the image of God. It says you are made as the image of God. The imago deo of God. In other words, you're not a shadow of what God's like. You're, a, you're an exact replica. You're an exact copy of what God is like. So if God has made you as his image, as his reflection, then why would you and I struggle with things like inferiority, inadequacy, doubt, worry? Why would we deal with things like that if, if we're in his exact likeness, not a shadow? I think there are a few reasons why you and I get stuck in places like that. Let me, let me throw out three real, real quick to you. One, I think sometimes we're ignorant. Now, I don't mean you're an ignorant person. I just mean you don't know. If no one ever told you any different, it's possible that you have believed something that's wrong. So sometimes you just don't know. You, you're ignorant of the fact that you are who God says you are. You're unaware, maybe is a better word I should use for you this morning. You are unaware of really who you are in God. So, I mean, if you don't know and you don't have revelation, you can't act on it. You can't put faith to it. Your, your mind stays in a place where you just don't know. And maybe you don't know who God says you are. Or how about this? Maybe instead of not knowing, you've been deceived. You know, the enemy is great at deceiving. He's the father of all lies. He's a great seducer, and he's a great deceiver. But science proves this. If we continue to consistently and constantly hear a lie, we will eventually believe that lie and base our life on that lie. Do you know that you could have been living a total lie all these years thinking that you weren't something when all along God had a totally different picture, plan, and identity for your life? Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we're deceived. And here's the other one. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we just forget who we are. That's why the Bible says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and continuing to hear what Jesus said and continuing to hear what, what Jesus says and continuing to hear what Jesus said because if we're ignorant or unaware of it, if we've been deceived or if we've forgotten who we are, we will believe we're inferior. We will believe that we are inadequate. And sometimes we have heard it so long and believed it so long that it's, it's bondage in our lives. It, it, it's a cage in our lives. Let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and, and let's read a few verses here. Y'all with me? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. So the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that God had made. One day he asked the woman, he's talking about Eve, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in this garden? 
She said, of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. Well, you must not eat it or even touch it, God said. If you do, you will die. And look what the enemy says. The enemy always contradicts what God says. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat of it, and you will be like God, and you will know good, and you will know evil. The woman was convinced. She was deceived. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit, and she did what? She ate the fruit that was forbidden. Then, what did she do? She gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Now look at verse 7. At that moment of disobedience, their eyes opened, and they suddenly felt what? Shame and nakedness, something they had never experienced before. Immediately, disobedience, failure to um, listen, failure to know the truth. They were deceived, they felt, and immediately they felt shame and nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, as God did every evening in the cool of the evening, as the breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they did something they never had to do before. What did they do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. And God called out to the man and he said, where are you? Now look at their response. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid I was afraid because I was what? Naked. I was inferior. I was inadequate. I was shameful. And God said this verse that I want you to grasp this morning. God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were inadequate? Who told you you were inferior? Who told you? Who deceived you? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you to not eat from? And I love that answer that God gave. Who put doubt in you? And I'd have the same question for, for you today. Did culture tell you this? Did someone you respected tell you this? Did society tell you this? Did the TV tell you this? Did your own... in Inside feelings tell you this. Who told you you were anything less than God said you are? And who told you that you are anyone other than who God says that you are? And who told you that you can't have what God says you can have? And who told you you can't be healed? And who told you you can't be prospered? Who told you? Who told you you were inferior, unworthy, inadequate? Who put that doubt in you? See, it's the same enemy that deceives you. It's the same enemy that accuses you. And it's the same enemy that has to be cast down in our lives, in our thoughts, in our hearts, in, 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 in our beliefs. It's that enemy. It's that voice that you and I need to learn to cast down. Now, each week I've told you behind these emotions and feelings and strongholds, there's a spirit at work. We talked about intimidation. There's a real spirit of fear behind intimidation. We talked about insecurity. There's a real spirit of rejection 
behind that insecurity. But what if I told you there's actually a spirit that's behind those inadequate feelings? Because God didn't design you with them. It's not the will of God. It's not, God. it's not the way God thinks about you. I believe there's a spirit behind inadequacy. And hear me, I believe it's the spirit of condemnation. It is a spirit of condemnation. Now, condemnation is, is characterized by some things like this. Regret, shame, fear, guilt, and unworthiness. That's what is associated with condemnation. And I know this, there's enough of us here this morning, there's enough of us watching that many of, the, many of us that are dealing with this bondage of inadequacy, which God wants us free from, right? We read the scriptures. So there's a real spirit that whispers into your heart and into your ears through the culture we live in, through the people who you thought cared about you, through the voices of those around you, or sometimes just the inner voice that we have, and it's this voice of condemnation, and if we don't get free from it, it'll keep you from having everything God wants you to have and being everything God wants you to be. So what I want to do is I want to give you a few symptoms of a spirit of condemnation. I want to read you a few scriptures and give you some pointers this morning that are full of truth, and I believe when we're done this morning, it's gonna, you're going to be set free. So I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to, as we sang that song, let your religion fall, let your tradition fall, let your pride fall this morning, and say, God, I want you to lift this inadequacy off of me. No matter how it got there, no matter where it came from, no, no matter why it's still resonant, because if you can get free from it, I want you to know you can elevate in life. You can receive what God wants you to have. You can be more prosperous. You can be healthier. You can have better relationships. You might be able to start that business you didn't think you could start. You could be everything God wants you to be. And what you do in life, you could do it with more confidence. Are you ready? Here we go. But there are some symptoms that a spirit of condemnation might be prevalent around you or in you. And just real quick, there's, there's four of them, and I'll get to my points this morning. One, there's a real spirit of condemnation if you cannot forget the past. You just really struggle with the past. And here's what I mean by the past. Some of the mistakes you made, some of the failures, some of the hurts, some of the wounds, some of the negative experiences, some of those things in your life you can't seem to shake, they haunt you. And I want you to know this, that Jesus took that condemnation of your past for you. But to really be under a spirit of condemnation just means I, I am struggling to forget that mistake I made. I am struggling to forget that thing that happened. I'm struggling to forget what someone did to me. I am really, really struggling with what I did or didn't do. Because you know that sin is not just what we've done, it's also what we haven't done at times. We, know, we, we have a forward-moving God. And don't you get stuck in yesterday. But see, condemnation, the guilt, the regret, the shame, the inferiority, the inadequacy, all of that keeps you stuck in your yesterday. So that's a sign if you're really, really, really battling it with, 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 with forgetting the past. Here, here's another one, that you really, really struggle with forgiveness. Now, forgiveness can mean a couple of things. One, it could be that you really, really struggle with God's forgiveness in your life, and you really, really struggle with giving forgiveness to others. Now, we're all Jesus people, we love Jesus, and, and we don't like to think that we struggle with some of these things, but we can struggle with our past, and we can struggle with forgiveness. Whether it's some mistake we've made, 
that we struggle with, with, with disappointing God and, and now we struggle with really just receiving God's total forgiveness for something we shouldn't have done. But then there are times that people have harmed us or done things and we struggle with really forgiving them because the word forgive means to release. I want to tell you what the danger of forgiveness is because sometimes like it's so hard. It's hard because memories are attached to it. But I want you to get this. This, this, this hopefully will help you so much. Unforgiveness is being self-focused. Forgiveness is being God-focused. I'm going to say that again because I need, I, I got half of you doing this. I need the rest of it because that ought to liberate you. Forgiveness, uh, unforgiveness is self-focused. Unforgi- or unforgiveness is self-focused. Forgiveness is God-focused. Now, I want you to get that because if, if it's forgiveness that we need in our own lives and we're struggling with really allowing God to forgive us, that means we're more focused on us than the forgiving, cleansing, justifying power of Jesus. And if we're struggling to really release someone else and forgive someone else, that means we're more focused on us and we've forgotten how much forgiveness God has given us. We want his forgiveness, but we're unwilling sometimes to release it to others, even though it's challenging it at times. You see how this, this spirit works? It, it will keep you stuck in yesterday. It will keep you unable to forgive and release even yourself or others. And here's another one. You become really, really critical. You become very critical. That, that's a symptom of a spirit of condemnation. And when I say critical, I mean we get judgmental, we get condemning, we get accusation, accusational. And, 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 and here's, here, here's the deal. The opposite of praise, which we're created to do, is criticalness. We're too critical instead of being full of praise, being full of thanksgiving, being full of of, of gratitude. But the Bible says the same way we judge, we'll be judged. See how this process can work of, of condemnation, whether it's something we allowed whether it's something we brought on, whether it's something someone spoke over us, whether it's something that something happened to us. What happens is we struggle with our past. We struggle with forgiveness and we struggle with being too critical because what happens is we get comparison. We compare ourselves to this person. We're not happy about ourselves, so we start finger pointing at everybody else. And here's the other symptom is that you feel unfit. You feel unfit. Sometimes you become a perfectionist. Sometimes you allow too much pressure on yourself. And you just feel unfit and you feel unworthy. Why? Because you're struggling with forgiveness. You're struggling with yesterday. You've become too critical about you and everyone else. Now you feel unfit. And God says one thing, but you feel unfit about it. I want you to know this. You are not unfit because God himself gave Jesus out of grace. You were fit enough for God to send Jesus to redeem you, love you, forgive you, and put his own presence in you. But I want you to get how important this is. Let's go back to what the book of James said. The book of James says that a man who has this spirit that he's struggling through this doubt and through this condemnation cannot suppose that he would receive from God. There are many of us not fully receiving everything God has for us because this cloud of condemnation over us that makes us feel unworthy, unfit, inadequate, and inferior. Are you all with me? I know I'm reading some mail this morning. And what if I told you it could be the thing blocking your great breakthrough? It could be the thing blocking your peace. It could be the thing blocking your, 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 your freedom. It could be the thing blocking your joy. 
Well, we don't want anything blocking the goodness of God, the greatness of God, or the freedom he has for us. Here's the thing about a spirit. You defeat a spirit with what? The opposite spirit. So if condemnation is a spirit, what spirit would free you from condemnation? It's a confident faith. A confident faith in the words of Jesus, in the power of God, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's a confident faith in what God says is true. Because there's a great deceiver who has condemned you. Now, I want to prove to you that that condemnation in your life is a lie. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now the case is closed. I like that. Y'all got that? That's a Passion Bible. The case is closed. Many translations say, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to stop and, and figure out what it's there for. So you go back and you read the verses before it. If you go back and you read chapter 7 of the book of Romans, it says something like this. I have all this stuff I want to do for God, all this good stuff, but I have this other thing working in me, and it keeps me from doing what I want to do. Y'all ever felt like that? It, it, and Paul went on to say, I, I, I see this, this law working in me. It brings death. I'm a wretched person. He said, but, but, but I notice this other principle working in me now. It's the, it's the principle of spirit and life. In other words, there is some junk working in you, but now there's the power of God working in you. Therefore, or so the case is closed. Look at the rest of the verse. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus the anointed one. Did you all see that? There remains no accusing voice. In other words, whatever accusing voice is out there, it's invalid. There's no accusing voice of condemnation against you if you are in life union with Jesus. Now, if you go to different translations, it probably says something like this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And at the end of that verse, it goes on and says, if you're, uh, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus if you're not walking in the spirit of the law, but you're walking in the spirit of life. It adds that little thing. The translators added it. It's not in the Greek. All it says in the Greek is, if you're in Jesus, you're not condemned. See, they put that on there because that, it's hard to believe that verse. They put that on there to help translate, but it gives us the idea, as long as I'm walking perfect, I'm not condemned. But the Bible just says this, if you're in union with Jesus, guess what? There's a spirit of condemnation that has no control over you. There's a spirit of condemnation that should not make you feel unworthy, unfit. Come on, somebody. If you're in Jesus, there's not condemnation. That's big because there's only one person who could condemn you, and he chooses not to condemn you because every time he looks at you, he sees Jesus in you. How do you defeat that condemning spirit? It may have been there for years. Sometimes religion, if you came up in a religious setting, you will struggle with condemnation. But Jesus said, see, Jesus and religion can say two different things. Remember I said it depends on who you're in bed with? If you're in bed with religion, guess what? It will condemn you. But if, if the word of God abides in you and you abide in the word of God, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It doesn't mean it won't ever knock on the door after this morning. I'm just saying you need to answer it with some confident faith. The case is closed. Look at someone pointing at him and say, he's talking to you this morning. Because remember, this condemning spirit will keep you. 
It will keep you from receiving all God has. It will keep you from elevating. It will keep you. God doesn't want any of that to be kept from you. I would go as far as to say this. Do you know that between God's best and you, there's only one thing that can keep God's best from you, and it's not the devil. It's your revelation and your response to it. The devil is just an annoyance. He's just a liar. He's just a deceiver. He can only deceive you from God's best. Faith, confident faith. You ready to make some points? I got three good points. You ready for them? Are you all with me? Is this good? This is good. I want inadequacy to break off of you. Some of you have been walking around introverted, intimidated by things, and you need to walk with, with, your, with, your, with, with a different posture from now on. Point, life point number one. You ready for it? This is awesome. Are you ready? You are fully known by God, yet fully loved by him. You are fully known by God, yet fully loved. In other words, here's what I mean. He knows all your mess. There's nothing hidden from God. He knows your thoughts, your words, your mistakes. He knows everything about you. He knows all the good. He knows all the bad. He knows all the ugly. He knows your private life. He knows your personal life. He knows your public life. He knows your secret. He knows everything about you that you feel so unfit, yet he totally loves you the same. Your past, your blunders, your mistakes are not too big for the agape love of God. Your mess up is not too traumatic or dramatic for the agape love of God. He completely knows you, yet he loves you fully. He wasn't like, yeah, if you get this together, if you work on this, if you come up out of that, if if you believe him, I'd love you a little more. No, he fully knows you and your track record and your history, and guess what? Loves you fully. Psalm chapter 34, verse 22. Here's a good verse. But the Lord has paid for the freedom of his servants, and he will freely pardon those who love him. He will declare them free and innocent when they turn to hide themselves in him. You're hidden in him. Your track record, your past, guess what? It's hidden in him. I should have a few more amens than what I'm getting on now. Y'all should be running around having a Pentecostal moment right now. Y'all ready? I want to say two good things under that point. Ready? Here's one. A flawed diamond is still better than a perfect brick. All the ladies, y'all know something about diamonds. They're like, diamonds, amen, I'll say amen to anything. Even if a flawed diamond with some mistakes is still more valuable than a perfect brick. And God doesn't see you and me as failures. He sees us as learners. He sees us as learners. We're still learning. We're becoming who we are in him. We're becoming what he said over us. So he sees you fully, yet he fully loves you. Wasn't that a good one? Check out out my second life point. These are meant to encourage you this morning. This is a good one. It's got to set in for a moment. Ready? Life point number two. You get to choose what you want to remember and what you want to forget. You get to choose what you want to remember and what you want to forget. 
Well, Pastor, I can't have these thoughts come. But you get to choose what you will filter, what you will learn, what you will receive, what you will recall, what you will camp on. You, you get to choose. Look what this says, Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, yes, I alone, God says, will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. Did y'all get that? God says, I will blot them out, and I will not think of them again. God's not thinking of your failures, your shortcomings, your sins, your mistakes, and your setbacks. He's not obsessed. You're the only one obsessed with it. He says, I'm going to blot it out. He wants you just to learn your lesson, forget the details, and move on. I wrote this down. This is great. The call is greater than your fall. The call of God, the things God's called on your life, the things God's called out of your life, it's greater than any fall that you may have had. And I'm not saying there aren't moments to repent. There aren't moments to seek forgiveness. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we've got to remember some important things because that voice of condemnation is, is a voice of shame. It's a voice of guilt. It's a voice of failure. And as long as you're listening to that and you're tuned into that frequency and you're logged on to that channel, guess what? You will stay where you're at. You will stay frustrated. You will stay unhealthy. You will stay held back. But man, when you start to understand what God said about you and over you, you will realize, I, I get to listen to what I want to hear. Now, I'm not saying if someone's trying to help you to hear truth. I'm just saying that voice that keeps haunting and shaming you. If God said, I, listen, I blotted it out, you don't have to tune in that frequency. You get on God's side. Stay on God's side. I got one more point. Can y'all handle it? Aren't these good? Am I helping somebody? Come on. So what have I said? You are fully known by God, yet fully loved. Not when you get it all together will you be fully You're, you're fully loved you will not be any more loved or righteous than you are right now. Because it's his love, it's his righteousness. And you really get to choose what you want to remember, what you want to forget. Here's my last point. You can let his words be the words of your story. You can let his words be the words of your story. A lot of people ask me, like, what this key is that I wear, and I have a couple different ones, but this one is this verse I'm going to read to you. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, because this is what, this is God's words or God's story for your life, and there comes a time when you need, you need to exchange your story for his story. You need to exchange your limitations for his freedom. You need to exchange your restrictions for his liberty. You need to exchange what you think of you with what he said about you. You need to exchange your problems for his promises. Come on, are you hearing me? You need, to, you need to exchange your crisis for the creative power of God. I want to read you this verse. Ready? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We have become his poetry. Actually, I think you need to stand on this. You can't sit for this one. We have become his poetry, his poem. The story you wrote with a dead end ending, aren't you glad he didn't stop there? There came a time in your life where he got to pick up the pen and finish your story when you handed over the writing to him. We become his poetry. We are a recreated people. 
that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. So you cannot fulfill the destiny of God if you're under a spirit of inadequacy. That's why the devil keeps whispering these inadequacies to you. Why would he do that? To keep you from the destiny he has for you. The Bible is very clear. The devil is a destroyer. He wants to destroy your destiny. But God came to give you life and life that overflows that you can walk in the destiny. He recreated you. You couldn't walk in it before, but he recreated you. Made you a brand new creation. That you can walk in that destiny because you're joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born. God planned in advance your destiny and the good works for you to fulfill, even before. But you were writing your own story. There came a time you had to set the pen down, let God pick it up, and finish the story he planned long ago. Long ago, he planned for his goodness in your life. Long ago, he planned for freedom in your life. Long ago, he was just waiting for you to set the pen down. What happens is we come to Jesus and we keep picking the pen up. I want you to lay the pen down this morning and let him keep writing out the destiny. Let him keep writing over your life. You are who he says you are. You can have what he says you can be who he says you can be. So I want to speak a few things over you. You just need to receive these. And as you receive these, I want you to see the spirit of inadequacy lift off of you. Because your story had some abuse in it. It had some hurt in it. It had some fatherless, parentless situations. It had tradition, religion, failure written all over it. You need to let it go this morning and, and, and believe what God says about you. I'm going to say these things to you. You just need to say, I'll receive it. Ready? You are deeply loved by God. You are highly valued by God. You are greatly blessed by God. You are uniquely purposed. And you are full.